I want you to come, if you will, tonight. We'll begin by two passages of scriptures in our Bible. And um, I believe that if you're saved, uh, you're going to agree with the things of my introduction. I um, hope that I'll be able to make this introduction not real lengthy because I have some things I want to say to you, I believe, of more interest than just the introduction. But I do want to get your attention to the fact that's right here that you're, uh, by the introduction, you know that I know I'm, what I'm talking about. Amen. You know, when I went to school, um, the, uh, we had visiting preachers come by, and, and one of the preachers um, that came by was uh, W.O. Robinson. And Brother Robinson was a, a, a real great preacher in my, my young, uh, young Christian life. And, uh, but he was a kind of a slow speaker, but uh, emphatic and strong in his presentations. And I, he knew I was going to school because we were at school that time and uh, such as that. But it seemed like at that time, uh, the Lord was kind of leading me to go into the ministry. I didn't know what to do. I was young and, and um, I uh, was praying and I didn't think, I, of course, I didn't think I was worthy enough, surely, to be a minister in the ministry. Maybe, you know, a good men, member of a church or something like that. I wanted to be as good as I could about that. I enjoyed witnessing, enjoyed going on the streets and such as that, and uh, passing out tracts and all that. But other than that, I, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think anything about getting full time in the ministry. But Brother Robinson was preaching, and I, I thought about the fact of this right here, that at the time, the Lord was kind of moving my heart because I noticed that I was being invited to go to some churches and preach and teach Sunday school and such as that. Um, not, not large congregations or anything like that, but just fill in for pastors who may not be uh, at their churches or a church that needed a pastor and just wanted some to be an interim preacher. And uh, teach, you know, teach, teach a Sunday school and maybe preach that Sunday to kind of, kind of, you know, give some edification to the church and give it strength to continue on. But I asked Brother Robinson, I said, Brother Robinson, tell me something. I said, um, how long do you preach as far as your message is concerned? It just seems like every, sometimes he'd be a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. But I, I was kind of wondering, whenever you're going to preach a message, uh, uh, surely you don't think about the time all the time, unless you're given a certain allotted time. You, want, you surely want to think about that. But outside of that, what if you're just given liberty, like uh, Brother Bob gave me tonight and said, go ahead and just preach, Brother Baker, because uh, you guys don't have anything to do until in the morning. <laughs> well, I mean, how long do you preach? Brother Robinson, bro, brother. I'm going to tell you, um, Brother Baker, make sure you know what the Lord would want you to preach on. And then study it out and you learn something from it yourself that you want to present to the congregation. And then he said, the time, the time that you give it, judge it by this. Did I make 
myself clear to the congregation about the subject that I was preaching? Did it have value to it for the sake of their souls to grow and their knowledge to grow and their faithfulness to grow in Jesus Christ? Did I make the message worthwhile? And then thirdly, he said, I want you to think this. Have I said enough that I made what I did preach to them plain enough that if they wanted to receive it, they could? And then sit down and shut up. And let the Holy Ghost do the work. That's what I believe. I believe that today. I, uh, I pastored Calvary Baptist Church for 45 years. It's the only church I know uh, for the last 45 years. I've since then, for the last two years, been what they called, I guess, retired. But I've been busier then, now than I was at that time, I feel like. I felt like getting me another church, pastoring it for a year, and then re- trying to retire again. And just see if I got up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. But um, it's good to be busy in the Lord. It's good to try to bring forth fruit in your old age. I was 21 when I got saved. And I'm uh, in September. On September 6th, I'll be 74. I thank God that he's given me the time to live. But more than that, I'm thankful to God that he gave me something to live for. He's been good to me, so good to me. And I appreciate it. I'm so grateful that I've been invited to come to preach again at the Berean. And uh, you're a blessing to me. You may think I'm a blessing to you. I hope you do uh, on, on certain occasions. But I want you to notice right here. You're a blessing to me that you'd come and you'd listen. And I want to make sure that while you're listening, you hear something that's worthwhile when you do. That's what I'm going to say tonight. I'm going to talk about something that every one of us face every day. And that is that spirit of endurance. And whether or not we will complete our course that God gave us, or whether we'll fall by the wayside, or whether or not, listen, we'll be fruitless, like I was saying last night. You know, will you go before the Lord empty-handed? He saved you. Look at what all he's promised you and done for you. Now, don't go before the Lord empty-handed without even one soul or one person that you've discipled or somebody who can stand up and say, Lord, I thank God that you saved this person because they've been a blessing and a help and an edification to my life or else even saying this right here, they actually gave me the gospel so I could be saved myself. You're going to want to have something to show him in gratitude for all he's done for you. Think about it. Let it sink down within your soul that you know something? I need to do something for the cause of Jesus Christ. He saved me to be a servant. And I need to spend some time in servitude for him and fulfill his will for my life. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why don't you say the same thing about him? Lord, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It'd be good for you to make commitment. 
You need to make commitment. I talked to a guy one time. He said, ah, you know, preacher, you, you get out there and go to church and everything. And next thing you know, they want you to join and commit yourself to the church. And I don't believe in commitments. I said, you know what? You are a real strange person. <laughs> because I'll be honest with you, I never met a man who could just pay cash. You, you live in a house, don't you? He said, yeah, you're the first man I've ever met that just paid cash for it right off the bat. He goes, well, 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 uh, and I go, and you know, besides that, I said, I know you drive a pretty nice car. It looks pretty new to me and everything. But man, for a guy that just can just pay cash for everything like that and have such nice things as you do and everything else. I said, man, you are a rare bird, man. He goes, well, hey, hey, look, my house ain't paid for. I said, you got to be kidding me. I says, you just told me you don't believe in commitments. You don't want a commitment to church. I said, I'll bet you another thing bothers you is this right here, that somebody would probably, you know, take up an offering to church or something right then. You know, that'd probably bother you, wouldn't it? I said, let me ask you something. If you haven't paid for your house, I said, uh, how long of a commitment have you made to the finance company to get it paid off? You know what he said? 30 years. 30 years to a fella who doesn't even believe in commitment. <laughs> the car, five years. Boy, I'll tell you what, some, some folks, I'll tell you what, they're liars when it comes to things about spiritual things. You know that? And you, you wouldn't believe what the payment on that house was and the payment on that car was. You'd be surprised. I'll guarantee you one thing. If I could have just, if I could have alleviated all those payments and just asked him to, you know, just give something to the church for the sake of missions and for the cause of Jesus Christ and, and for the pastor and the church and everything, I bet you he would have rather chosen that than the other payments. Wouldn't you? How long are you going to stick with this thing? How long have you been saved? How long has it been that you've trusted Christ that he himself, who has begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ like he promised? How long? You know what? I thank God that I see a lot of familiar faces, Brother Butter. But I know this right here. I'm missing some faces too. There's some folks that's been in or now are out. I know some that get in, get out, get in, get out. They're like a yo-yo. Yo-yo Christians. They're up, they're down. They're like that dunking yo-yo I had when I was a boy. Just chunk them down one time, they'll just stay in one spot. You can give them a little jerk and up in their hand you go. You can walk the dog with them and bring him right on back. But you know, we ought to stick with this thing as much as God, we expect God to stick with us. Weren't you glad you entered into, into the gospel and when you did, the first fruits of your inheritance was that God said in Ephesians chapter 1 that he sealed you to the day of redemption. Good great God, I'm so glad I, I not only believe, but the Bible tells me I have eternal security. You believe it? You believe in eternal security? Amen. Yeah, I do. You know why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you. You've been born again. You can't be unborn again. How do you get unborn again? You know, I bet there's times when my daddy wished 
I could get unborn again. But you can't get unborn again. To many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, which are born, not the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You couldn't birth yourself into it. He had to. Thank God for eternal security. But people get in and out of their dedication and their desires to serve God. Why? The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that you've got to endure to the end or you ain't going to be saved. But I will say this to you, that the Bible does say that there's something about this thing called endurance. Yes. And that's my subject tonight. I want you to study with me just a little bit here on the subject of what is mentioned about us as believers on what the Lord says those hardships are that we may face and do face that He wants us to endure. You see, there's not much you can give God back for what He's given you, is there? No, everything's his anyway. Solomon even said this right here, that whenever people gave the gold and all the things for the temple and everything else, he said, Lord, he says, he said, what house will you live in and everything else? And he said, all these things, Lord, are yours. We're just giving back what's yours. But there are some things that you can give and do that really do please God because it comes from you just like it came from him. And I want to look at that tonight. I don't get me on my time's running short, y'all. We got here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now it's Friday and uh, Saturday and Sunday. And unless I'm going to get to preach, you know, four meetings a day, it's going to get short here real soon. But in 2 Timothy, please come to chapter 2. The Lord gives the instruction of Timothy, the young minister, who winds up being the first pastor of the church of Ephesus. The word Ephesus means fully purposed. Paul, no doubt, in the the uh, Presbyterian, they have um, they've ordained him to be the first pastor, the first bishop of the church of Ephesus. And he has written him an epistle now, and he's in prison. Paul, his ministry has been changed drastically. Instead of running all over Europe and Asia, he's now imprisoned in Rome. And under a cruel despot at that. And um, while he's imprisoned, he's writing young Timothy. And he says in chapter 2, Thou therefore my son, because he has led him to the Lord, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I want to I begin right there to let you know this right here. You and all of us, we need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. By grace you're saved and by grace you stand. 
You're not going to keep yourself saved. You would look here. You're not. You're not good at it in the first place. You could, really. Uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God, your marriage would fall apart. Really. But by the grace of God, you are what you are. That's what Paul says. By the grace of God. Sister Baker's been faithful to me for 53 years. That's how long we've been married now. 53 years. And I, I'm, a, I'm a happy camper. And I know all about camping because we had to stay in our trailer for 17 months before we could get in our house. But I want to say this to you. It's by the grace of God I have a wife like I've got. Because when I started out, the first two years was a flop. I married selfishly. And I've told you before, I'll tell you again, but I married selfishly. I, I loved hunting and fishing and everything else. And I want to tell you this right here, that my marriage and everything else was basically for just fleshly things. But when I got saved, God showed me that my wife was part of my body. And that I ought to love her like Christ loved the church and give myself for her. I found out when I started living like that, I'll tell you what, marriage just started being a lot nicer. Yeah, yeah, it really did. When I realized this right here, that you know that she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and we're no longer two, we're twain, we're one. And so when I started treating her that way, and she got saved and started treating me the way a wife ought to be treating and everything else. And, and uh, uh, you know, the Bible says Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, I'm not saying she got that far yet. <laughs> but I'm going to say this right here. She's treated me as if I was. And I thank God for her. But where would I be in the ministry if it hadn't been for the grace of God working in her life and mine? Really, how far are you going to go? A minister can't be a real good minister if he doesn't have some, someone backing him up. That's right. And um, so I know this right here. The grace of God has made me what I'm. Paul said, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By grace you save through faith. And not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Not by works of righteousness we've done. But according to his mercy he has saved us. By the washing of regeneration. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed upon us abundantly through faith. That is in Christ Jesus. You... Um, when a man thinketh himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. The Lord, by his grace, has made you what you, have, what you are and what you have. It's been his grace. You'd have made a mess out of it and just, you know, ain't no telling what you'd have done with your life if it hadn't have been for God intervening in it. We talked about but God. I'm going to tell you what, if God hadn't have butted into our lives, where in the world would we be? In 2 Timothy chapter... Two, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. Always give thanks in everything. everything. And if you do, you'll get used to being thankful. And you'll be surprised how far that'll carry you Amen. in your desires to be and have what God wants you to be and have. 
Thou therefore, my son, be strong and gracious in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Okay? So that's why I'm here tonight, this night. I'm here tonight to try to bestow upon you a manner of faithfulness where, and that you'll be faithful with what I'm going to show you and teach you. And if you will, I'll tell you what, it's going to bring forth fruit to your good and his glory. Now look what he said, but it's not going to be easy for look what he says. Thou therefore endure what? Does your say hardness? We all got a King James Bible, don't we? Okay, hardness. Therefore endure hardness. That does not sound real positive. Endure hardness as a good what? Oh, I see. All of a sudden now it's like a military thing. I mean, it's a battle to endure. It's a battle to keep your testimony. It's a battle in life. The way the world is going for you to keep a happy marriage. Everything out there is trying to pull you and destroy your life. Everything out there is trying to pull you out of church. You'd be surprised how much you fight with yourself. I'm going to tell you this right. You read your Bible? You read it every day? I'll bet you this right here as a Christian. I'll bet you you feel like you should read your Bible every day, don't you? But how often does that which you wish you did, you did not? That's true. Yeah, man. I'm not as good as I want to be, y'all. Ain't no way. I'm not as good as I want to be. I, I read my Bible. I try to make sure I read my Bible once a year, at least once a year. I just, I just finished it while I was, it was, it got here. I was in Revelation uh, whenever I left home, and I finished Revelation just the other morning. And uh, that was my eighth time through this Bible. Now, I'm glad, but I'm starting on again. In the beginning, you know, in the beginning, God. Well, I'll tell you what, you start right there with him. We're starting up pretty on high ground when you start in that Bible first off the bat. You know, book of Genesis, book of beginnings. But I'm going to start again. And Lord willing, I'm going to write my date down, hopingly, if, if you know, if the Lord graces me and, and bless me and I, I live again uh, for another year or something, I'm hoping I'll get through my Bible again. And, uh, and you know what? And I'll just thank God for it. But you know what? I've noticed this right here. I always set my heart. You'd think this right here would be easier. Wouldn't it be easier for me to do it than you? Wouldn't you think this right here? Now, Brother Baker, um, he's 70. Nearly 74 years old, and the old codger, he ain't got much to do in life but read. So we expect him to read more than us. But I'm going to tell you this right here. When we sit down at the supper table, I notice this right here. Usually you can't go much more in a day without eating, can you? That fasting thing is a hard thing. I don't know why they call it fasting. But you, the only thing fast about fasting is you'll be glad when it's over. But let me ask you something. You eat every day, don't you? And look here, and I don't care if you fill up like a balloon. 
The next day you get hungry again. And let me tell you something. Whatever part of you you feed grows the most. You know what I'm talking about? And, but it's the same thing with your spirit. If you don't feed your spirit, it kind of diminishes too. Your spirit needs spiritual nutrition and there's the bread of life right there on the table. You need that for your spirit. You need. That Bible tells you to study, to show yourself approved, uh, search the scriptures. Uh, There's plenty of verses in there where you need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Plenty of verses on it. You know you need the Bible. Now, don't you wish you could just say, you know what, Brother Baker, I'm just going to read my Bible through this year. And, uh, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a commitment to myself. I'm going to read the Bible through. Um, because you know what, there may be some of you sitting here right now that say you're saved and you've been saved over a year or two. And, and you know what, it's about time for you to start reading your Bible and read what it has to say. I know you're not going to remember all the names. I don't either. I know I'm going to have to apologize to some of the brethren up there. I mean, I thought I said their names right. But it's going to be like Brother Ruckman when he taught me Greek. <laughs> and it kind of, it's kind of embarrassing when you're trying to read Greek to a man who knows Greek. And he's smiling first and then all of a sudden he breaks out in laughter. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, Brother Baker, start over again. <laughs> but you know something? The more you read your Bible, the more you'll understand and get from your Bible. And not only that, but you'd be surprised how much stronger it'll make you in spirit. And how not only that, but it'll help you in your temptations. The Bible speaks about the young men. He said, you've overcome the wicked one. Why? Because the Word of God is in you. And you've overcome the wicked one. The reason so many people fail in accomplishing the things that they want to accomplish and everything else, they haven't got enough of that, they haven't got that spiritual tenacity to overcome it. Getting that Bible. You read your Bible through? I'm not going to ask you to give me a show of hands, but I will say this right here. If you've been saved any length of time and you haven't read the most important book that can be read on this planet, you're talking about a miracle. You've got one in your hand if you've got a King James Bible. You got the English Bible that the Holy Ghost gave the English speaking people. You understand that? And I will tell you something. What a shame it would be for you to be saved any length of time and you didn't read that book. And then when there are calculations of the words that you have read that are worldly and everything else and the time that you spent in things that were just vanity, when you get to heaven, you find out this right here. You didn't even read the Bible through once. Get, listen, read it once so that when somebody does say something about the Bible, your mind and heart and the spirit can even correct them if they're wrong or else say amen if they're right. You won't know all the verses. But if you don't, go through it again. Repetition's good for you. Memorization's good for you. Notice if you will. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a what? Soldier. 
Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life where that it takes you away from the things that God has asked you to come and stand for and fight for. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's like a military commission. Why? Look at Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are in Derby, Iconium, and Antioch. When they got to Derby, the Bible says in verse 21 of Acts chapter 14, when they, and, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystria and to Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Don't deceive yourself and don't you let somebody else deceive you that Christianity is not a battle. It is a battle to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish. The Bible tells you in Romans chapter 12, and you know, the verses seem to be okay. But can you imagine just taking in these three verses? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Man, that one word would sink most people's ship. Holy. Not W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y. Present your body, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what kind of service? Tough service, rough. No, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for God to ask us to present our bodies to him because he saved our never dying souls. You ain't kidding me. You're not going to complain when you get to heaven. You're going to be glad for everything you got. All right. Did Jesus say this in my father's house are many mansions? If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay. Now, which one of you are going to get up there, honestly now, and go like this right here? Oh, no. (laughs) There ain't no way I'm worthy of that right there, Lord. No, no, no. Just give give me a little cabin in the corner of glory land. You ain't done it. You're going to have joy with exceeding great joy. Yes. Oh, which of you at the rapture? When Philippians says this right here, uh, that when he comes, he'll change our vile bodies, Amen. that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Which of you are going to refuse because you, you, were, you didn't live up to it, let's say. You didn't live up to what the commission is of Christ and he wanted from you. So what you do is, Lord, I, I'm not worthy of a brand new body. Go, just leave me down there even for the tribulation if necessary to get some things worked out. I was unfruitful. I sh- should have been more fruitful. And Lord, if you don't mind, you let everybody else go and I'll just stay here. You ain't going to do that. Even so come Lord Jesus from me too. The greatest joy we'll ever experience in our lives outside of salvation will be when Jesus shows up in them clouds. And that trumpet sounds and he says come up hither 
and all of us go up there and while we're going, our bodies will change as soon as we see him for we shall see him as he is and in a moment in a twinkling of eye. You know what? All of a sudden, the law of sin will leave you. Boy, you talking about feeling good. You thought you felt good when you got saved? Boy, I felt like a burden came off my, my shoulder. You don't even know what a burden is, man, until the law of sin comes out of your flesh and the spirit of holiness enters it forever. Amen. So you don't think about sinning off. You fight your body every day, don't you? You can't live up to the measures that you wish you could live to without constantly fighting yourself first. I'm going to read my Bible this morning. You get up and all of a sudden, 50 things show up. Just go into the coffee pot first. Your mind starts running away with itself and starts telling you all the things you need to do and what's coming up for the day. And boy, it better not be late and everything else. No, yeah, let me tell you, you can make up your mind, you'll sleep late. The, the intention is there, but how to perform that which is good, many times you find not. I'm not when I go to work today, I'm not going to say one bad thing. I'm not going to complain about that lousy job. Ain't nobody, I'm not going to let anybody upset me today. Even in your family, you're going to be, you know, you know what it is sometimes? It's like the father who, who's, who was a Christian and everything else, but he had a little bit of problem with a bad tongue. And he'd made up his mind that he, when he went home today, everything was going to be different. Come in the house, kiss the wife. Said, how's it going, baby? How'd it go all day for you and everything else? She says, fine, how'd it go with you? And he says, well, it was a little bit rough and everything else, such as that. But I ain't worried about that. And he went up to the stairs. When he got up to the stairs, he put his foot up on the first step and everything else. And Johnny had left a little truck on the first step. He put his foot on it. His foot got up down from him. And bam, his face down into the stairs. He said, hey, you blink, you blink. He said, Johnny, how in the world could you blankety blank leave a truck on the stairs? She said, that's not the only thing he did. I heard him cussing. He says, what in the world, boy? You blankety blank cussing? She said, he said, I'll teach you to cuss. She said, that'll be good enough for the first lesson. You ain't nowhere near as good as you'd really like to be, are you? But you can be better. You can do better. But I'm going to tell you, and tell you, if I can, I'm going to try to help you. Just like I try to help myself. <laughs> Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because we must through much tribulation and into the kingdom of God. It's going to be a rough road, y'all. Let me tell you something. And not just because you make it rough. Other people make, make it rough too, don't they? It'd be nice if we were just sometimes just me and mama are for and no more. But that ain't the way life is. Man, there's all kind. Like Paul said, man, open door of utterance has been given to me. But there's many adversaries. There's many adversaries. 
What are? What are some of these things that we must endure? He said endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not going to go in a bunch of detail about all of them, but let me, let me say something here. I wrote down uh, 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 the definition of hardship. Hardship is toil, fatigue, severe labor or want, injury, oppression, injustice. That's hard. It's hard to see the injustice of what's going on in this world, isn't it? I'll tell you what, it's hard to endure it whenever it happens to you. Who, who hadn't judged you wrong sometimes? Who hadn't falsely accused you sometimes? Don't tell me it's easy to endure that. No, we jumped our defense immediately. Sure, next thing you know, we'll be accusing the person who's accusing us. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. You can please him. Be so don't, listen, if you're not careful, overcommitment to the world will hurt your spiritual growth. It'll keep you out of church, keep you out of your Bible, keep you from praying. And I'll tell you another thing and keep you from doing the good that God told you to do to every man. Amen. That's true. It's the truth. Hardship. Well, let me show you some things that he says to endure. He said to endure hardship. Come to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now we'll just go through these in our Bible and just look at them. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Okay. Now, um, who's taking care of the tape up there? Are you, are you recording this? You are? Good girl. All right, now, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So don't worry about, you know, writing all the notes down and everything else. Because if they tape it, you got me on tape. And, and, and just don't, look, just don't try to remember all the mistakes. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, look if you will. The Bible says this right here. Charge, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. That's a good thing, isn't it? Preach the word. Everybody of us, don't we all want to be good witnesses? I do. Amen. You know? Okay, preach the word. In, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. Ephesians 5 tells us this right here. Be not partakers of the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For whatsoever maketh manifest his light. And we're light in the Lord. He called us out of darkness and we're supposed to be light in the Lord. So you know what? When people say things that are wrong as far as the Bible's concerned in, a, in such a way, then it's all right for us to reprove them. Watch what he says. Rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not, what? Endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You see, the problem is just right here, y'all. The world is waxing worse and worse, and they don't want to hear the Bible anymore. They don't want to hear you witnessing to them anymore. They'll come up with this judge not lest you be judged stuff. They don't want you reproving them. They don't even want you exhorting them. If I want to go to church, like one guy told me one time, he looked preacher, I want to tell you something, if I want to go to church, I'll show up. 
I don't need you to, uh, to uh, preach to me. And the world's getting more bold all the time, aren't they? Look what he says. They can't endure sound doctrine anymore. They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's your television evangelist. He's their, this is the contemporary work for you. There's more of them than there are of us, y'all. There's more compromisers in this world trying to tell people not to let people judge you and everything else and that God loves you no matter what. He has an unconditional love to you and everything else. But evidently, they're not reading their Bibles. Somebody's going to hell. I'll ask you a question. You think more people are going to hell or more people going to heaven right now? Or do you think it's just kind of a split down the middle? I uh, see how you are judgmental people. But you know as well as I do, everything's waxing worse and worse, man. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. And he came to, even, even Paul said that he came to save us out of this present evil world. Amen. You know what John said? The whole world lieth in what? Wickedness. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. What did he say here? Endure what? Afflictions. Afflictions. So he told us to endure hardness. Now he tells us to endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't stop witnessing to people just because people don't want you to witness to them. Amen. Don't preach to me. Don't witness to me. I'm going to tell you this right here. God said preach the gospel to every creature. And if you stop witnessing to people because some person tells you that you, you, don't, you don't need to be witnessing them, all of a sudden you get offended because of that and you go, well, all right, I'm going to be like Jeremiah. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'll tell you what you won't do. You'll never please God with that kind of attitude toward affliction. See, affliction doesn't just mean Something that happens to you in your flesh. Affliction is the state of being afflicted by get pain, distress, or grief. The cause of continued pain of body, mind, as sickness, losses, clarity, adversity, or persecution. Some of our brethren are facing great affliction in the world by the persecutions that take place in Muslims' countries. Don't you know that? Man, they can't get work. They, why? Because they're a Christian. And I'll tell you what, it's getting like that to some degree in America if you want to be a good testimony for Jesus Christ. You just, let me tell you what, you just stand up for something that God stands up, told you to stand for in the light of how much the world wouldn't have. Look at this abortion thing. Oh, don't bring up that. We don't want to talk about the abortion. Uh, I want to ask you something. Whenever you heard the Supreme Court was going to apologize and overturn the abortion of Wade, huh? That's right. When you heard that they were going to do that, how did you feel about that when you heard that? 
Did it make you feel better that they would oppose their ruling of Roe versus Wade? You know what the Supreme Court said? Five of four said this right here. That the Supreme Court was wrong from the very beginning of the ruling of Roe versus Wade because it had nothing to do with the constitutional rights as far as any woman was concerned because it isn't even in the Constitution. Now, they've tried to cover it up with, you know, um, your liberties and such as that and, uh, you know, uh, whatever, whatever laws they tried to cover it up with. But now the judges are admitting this right here. It should have never been given for the Supreme Court to have to rule on it. It should have been the states that ruled on it all along. So that if the majority of the people in a state was against it, it could be ruled against in that state. Or if the state were to say under certain conditions it could be and other conditions it can't be, like Mississippi. They said when you hear that heart beating, just like Texas, you hear that heart beating, that's another individual in there. Now you can disagree with it, but I'll tell you this right here. Can you agree with what that woman that was running for president of the United States in the past said? That you, a woman, it's her body, therefore she ought to have a right to abort the child even at the day of natural birth. You mean the baby's not a baby before that? And you say, oh, Brother Baker, I don't want to get into the controversy. I know, but I'm just asking this right here. What kind of day do we live in where we can't even talk about the controversy to try to help someone realize this right here, what God's for and what God's against? And let me tell you something. If you kill a living being... Are you going to be responsible for that if it's a, truly a living being? And if it's not a living being, how in the world did John the Baptist leap in his mother's womb at the annunciation of the fact that Jesus was going to be coming in the world? What's he doing? Leaping in the, her womb for joy. You mean a, a baby can feel joy? What do you do with Jeremiah when God said before you were ever formed and before you was ever in the womb, I knew you. Amen. You mean the creator has something to do with us being here? Amen. I'll tell you what it's going to be like. It's going to be like the guy that got up there at the judgment bar of God and knew he was condemned, but then he wanted to slam one word to God's face and say this right here. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't understand one thing. Why didn't you give us a cure for cancer and all the people dying of cancer and people that were blind and all these other things you, they said you made and such as that and all these sicknesses and everything else. Why, we spent trillions of dollars, God. We tri spent trillions of our dollars trying to find a cure for some disease. You realize this right here? They've never found a cure for any disease. And they talk about we're going to cure cancer. You're a nutcase. You never gave us a cure for any disease. Why didn't you send it a, a cure? And then God looked at him back in his face and said, I did. I did send a cure. But you killed him. Amen. I did send cures, but you killed her. I did send cures, but you killed them all. You don't know what a child will ever be. Einstein was a child. Oh boy. You were one time. 
Does anybody ever praise you for being born? I got a sticker on the back of my camera. You know, it says, I'm glad my mama was pro-life. Affliction. Endure affliction. But let me show you another one that's real hard for the saints. Please come to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13 or 12, rather. Let's come to 12. Hebrews 12. Let me show you something really, really bothers saints today. But I'm going to tell you how to help you. This is right here. Verse 4 of chapter 12. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. (laughs) Amen. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That don't sound happy. Boy, I don't know why I think about my daddy. You know, daddy about, he wasn't for abortion either, but he would remind me. I brought you into this world and I know how to carry you out. Verse 7, if you endure what? What does he say if you endure? Chastening. God dealeth with you with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh, uh, of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of what? His holiness. If you don't behave right, you won't live right. And yet you've asked him to save you and preserve you forever and ever. And he believes you and saves your never dying soul from an eternal damnation. And you start living like he didn't, he's got a right to correct you. Amen. He got a right to chasten you. Amen. But God is a spirit. How does he chasten you? How's he chasten you? He's chasing you with a rod. The Corinthian church was misbehaving. He told them if you judge yourself, you should not be judged. But when you are judged he says come if you want to look at 1 Corinthians 11 let me show you something about this chastening thing of God people get so offended with the Lord even after he has saved them and has become their father is not God your father Amen. huh well in 1 Corinthians 11 look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 look what it says In 1 Corinthians 11, they were shaming the brethren that didn't have during communion. They were intermixing communion with lost people. Some people were bringing great feast while the, the poor in the, in, the, in the communion of the church was being left out. Shaming the brethren that didn't have. Paul is rebuking them for it. 
said that you better judge yourselves and those that are unworthy should not be at this communion table. You know why? Because you don't discern the Lord's body in it. Look at verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I'm going to tell you right here, lost people can get in trouble by going to communion and you don't warn them. Verse 30, but watch the saints. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Wonder what that sleep means. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we might not be condemned with the world. You're the Lord's. And He's going to correct you. Because you're supposed to be a holy people. Supposed to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, rebuke. Let no man despise thee. God saved us to be a holy people. And if we misbehave, and we think we can get away with it, you're wrong. Because if God is your father, he'll chasten you if you don't judge yourself when he gets to dealing with you. You say, well, how, 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 does, he, how does he do that, brother? How does, how does he bring it to us? Well, I'm going to tell you this right here. Um, you mistreat your wife. You know what 1 Peter 3 says? He tells this right here. If you mistreat your wife, Read it, 1 Peter 3. When she's trying to live right, and you and listen, and you're slacking up on it, you start mistreating her because you, you know she's putting a little bit too much spiritual pressure on your life. The Bible says this right here: your prayers will start being hindered. Amen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, thou shalt not hear me, is what it says in the Psalms. You know something? I'm going to tell you this right here. You go ahead and mistreat her if you want to, bucko. And I'll tell you this, when the Holy Spirit begins to tell you you need to apologize, you better get to apologizing. You better say, honey, I'm sorry. Because I'll tell you right now, it'll hinder your prayers. You may not be wanting to pray right now, but you may be wanting to pray later on. And it'll catch up to you, son. You know, he told Israel, man, what are you talking about? I'm going to ask you to make sure if you get this tape or if you don't, just write this down, okay? Put down Leviticus 26. And read the list that God said he would deal with Israel and how he would deal with Israel if they didn't obey him as their God. Leviticus 26. Just read. It's good reading. And then put the cross reference down for Deuteronomy because he says it twice. <laughs> you know? But just read it. I got to hurry on. Chastisement is punishment. Pain inflicted for correction by the means of stripes. Proverbs. Remember what he said? 
chasing your son betimes. If you love your son, you'll chasten him. You deliver his soul from hell. I'll tell you what we're doing today. We're living in a generation of people and everything. They don't correct their children like they used to. They just let them run wild. And boy, they do run wild. Correction by the means of stripes, Proverbs, or restrictions of normal liberties. It's right for you to say to your child, hey, didn't I tell you not to do that? Come in here and sit down. Didn't I tell you not to be doing that game? Put that thing in my hand. He ain't paying the bill. She ain't paying the bill. I'm paying the bill. Give it to me, it's mine. Restriction is a good thing. You know why? Because it's chastisement. Go to your room. Yeah. You know what chastisement is? It's just right here. Stripes, restrictions of normal liberties. All of us that were in the military, he said, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. How many of you have been in the military? Raise your hand. Been in the military? Wonderful. Wonderful. Remember what they told us? Brother, I know you're a visitor and everything, but you can remember the military, don't you? you? I'll tell you what, you screw up in the military. You know what they said? Your liberty has been suspended. But worse than that, I can remember. Let me tell you something. I spent 11 and a half months on the USS Coral Sea, an aircraft carrier, in an attack squadron in 1967 and 68. And even though we were at war, you'd think they'd show us a little bit of slack. But I'll tell you this right here. You miss a muster. Or you, let me tell you, or you screw up on the line. I'll tell you what they tell you. You know what they say? They took away my liberty, right? But then they gave me extra duties to do. You remember that? And I'll tell you what, if you messed up on shore, where that it involved the name of the Navy, you know what they did to us? They put us down with the Marines on the hangar deck to do exercises. And here we were working 16 hours a day. The last thing I need is more exercise. And I sure didn't want a Marine leading me in it. But they loved to have you down there. You were just brothers. Restrictions of normal liberties and or confinement. You know what jail is? It's a stripping of you of your liberties and a confinement. You know why? Because you ain't behaving. Lord might put you in jail. I'll tell you something. God's got an order of this thing. The first thing he told you as a child, it's easy, kids. It's really easy. You got it made. All you got to do is what mom and daddy said. Obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Okay, if you're not, then it's wrong. Duh. What did you say about children? Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. You don't sass back at them. You honor them. You know what you say? Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Please. You know what you say to your father? Yes, father. Take out the garbage. You don't say... 
I did it last time. Let him do it. No, no. You know something? When I was in the military, if a higher ranking person told me something to do and everything else, you know what I was told by my commanding officer? Here's what the commanding officer said. I was in an elite squadron for the last two years that I was in the Navy. It was the flight demonstration team. You ever heard of the Blue Angels? That's me. You know what the commanding officer said? Here's what he said to the squadron. Now, I wasn't been there in just a few days. We were an elite thing. I, I Surely I could do what I want to do, man. I'm elite. I'm elite. I'm not very tall, but I'm elite. He said this right here. If someone on this team holds a higher rank than you do and you'll know it by what's on his shoulders and he tells you something to do, you do it first and then you ask about it after you did it. Because that's the way it's got to work around here. Whoever's over the next, you, if that person gives you a command, you go do it first. You know why? Because that's something he said was needed or someone told him it was needed. And you know what? We want everything to work nice and smooth around here. And I'll tell you right now, right from the first day, I knew one thing. If some guy above my rank told me to do something, I went ahead and just did it. I sure didn't want to go. Who's there? Third class petty officer Carl Baker, sir. Enter in, Baker. Yes, sir. What's the issue, Baker? Well, sir, I was told to report here because I didn't obey what the second class told me to do because he wasn't part of my department. Is that right, Baker? How many weekends of labor do you need before you think that you could do it? Sir, I'm, I'm sorry now. I know you're sorry. Don't you let it happen again. Aye, aye, sir. He didn't even look up. He don't even look up. But he don't want to see Baker again. And Baker didn't want to see him again. What is it with children... God said your mama and daddy are the order, the order of which he wants you to obey. And when you won't listen to your mom and dad, you know what God will do? He'll put you in problems with the world because you're acting like the world. He'll let the world judge you. And the next thing you know, you'll be in trouble with the police. When you start having trouble with the police, kids, you already went too far above the commands of obedience that God gave you to begin with. Now let me give you three points and I'll let you go back to the house. Are we doing all right so far? Amen. Definitions. Just some definitions. Now how can I help you? I said, Lord, all those things sound good, but they don't sound really good whenever you're talking about them. Because we don't handle correction real good sometimes. Well, you'd be surprised how many people, when I was pastor of church, got offended over something that I preached. 
And it wasn't nothing but just straight from the book. They will not endure sound doctrine. That doesn't just go for lost people. That goes for saved people too. People don't want to be told what to do now. We live in the chime of Laodicea. You know what Laodicea means? The rights of the common people. The ruling of the common people. Leo. When I was in uh, North, uh, South Vietnam uh, seas and everything else, they said Laos. You know what it is? City of people. The common people. Laos. Laodicea. You know what diocese is? It's a place of ruling. The diocese. A man rules over a diocese. You know what? We live in a day of civil rights. We live in a day of people and you know what? They want to rule themselves and don't want to be told what to do. Not even from God, y'all. That's why they've wrote all these new Bibles. So they can hear what they want to hear. Sure. How can I help you? Let me give you three things that will help strengthen your endurance to do the things that are right so that God can be glorified you can be blessed and fruitful. Okay? Number one. Do it for everybody else to see the example of what it will bring in their lives like it does yours. You do right. You do right because it's right. You obey God because that's what we're supposed to be doing is obeying God. Look, if you will, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we were there. We was talking about endure hardness as a good soldier. But look at verse 10. Look what Paul said. Was Paul a good leader of the church? Was he a good example to the church? Well, then let's see what he said his example was. Verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things. All you have to do is read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you're talking about enduring. We've never been called that far to endurance. Look at what he says. I endure all things for the elect's sakes that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with what? Eternal glory. Let me tell you something, y'all. Bring your children up right because you want them to live right and listen, and be saved too. Do right so that when people on the job, instead of, you know, in Philippians it tells you to do all things without murmurings and complainings. Don't be a murmur and a complainer on the job. If the guy's paying you for eight hours, work eight hours and, and look at, keep yourself, keep all your complaints and stuff to yourself. Why? Because he's your boss and he's paying you. Now, if it's something beyond your reach, and listen, you hate your job. If you hate your job and you stay on it over six months, it's your fault. If you hate your job that bad and everything else, you just can't stand it and everything, go get another job. I've been, you know, I've been, I haven't even been in Minnesota. But just a week. Not even a week. 
I've been down to uh, uh, Hastings and been to, uh, where would we go this morning, brother? What's the name of that little town? Huh? Red Wing. Went to Red Wing and wasn't there another place we went? But anyway, Red Wing and Hastings. You'd be surprised how many signs say help wanted. Inquire within. You can get another job if you hate the job. Listen, find a job that you love and enjoy going to to work every day and you'll never work a day in your life. You don't have to be tortured. Get out of it. If it, all it does is make you complain and bring it home to your wife and your children and it causes you to have a, a bad spirit all the time and everything else, then get away from the thing and ask your... Listen, have your wife get you by the hand, get your children in a circle, get all your hands together and say, now children, your daddy just hates this job. You want to see daddy happy? You want to have a lot of good things? then let's get on our knees right here and ask God to give me a better job where I can enjoy the work. I'd rather work on a job two hours, uh, $2 or less an hour that I loved than a job that I hated for that extra $2. If it caused me to be a complainer and a murmur all the time, it ain't worth it, y'all, to live outside the confines of the will of God just for you to make more money. I want to say this right here. What you do, you do out of sacrifice for others by your Christian testimony. And I'll tell you what, it'll help you endure better. Sure, listen, if you'll show them by example endurance, you know what you can do? You can correct them. I am no job, this job. I hate a job and everything. Well, no, 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 no. Hey, look here. You don't seem to hate it when payday comes. I never saw you get into the paycheck like this. No, 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 no. Hey, let's don't be talking like that. If we don't, if we don't like our jobs and everything else, look, go get some other place, give you notice or whatever else and everything else. But let's live, let's live, let's live at peace for everybody who else is here working who doesn't hate it. Everybody doesn't hate it like you hate it. Let me ask you something. How many times have you complained about the government this last month and didn't give one word of prayer for it? And yet the Lord told you, first of all, they ought to be prayed for. For he'd have all men to be saved. I'll tell you what we need in Washington. More people saved. But how many people are praying for their salvation? I've complained about them too. I'm not saying that we're not going to complain about them. They're saying it's wrong if we don't pray. So that they can do better just like us. Imagine what you were like before you got saved. You were a miserable mess, you mud hole. Oh, I got to be careful. I'm not in Buford. Even if you are a mud hole. Do what's right and start. you'll endure more if you'll help the weak endure themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Look what Paul says in Philippians. Come to Philippians right quick now. I'm not going to keep you a long time. No, 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 no. Look at this. Verse 12. Philippians 2, 12. Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, 
My beloved, as you've always obeyed, 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 two things that you need to make sure that you add to your spiritual life that is so important. And you need to teach it to your children. And by example of the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband, and that is submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. And then obey his commandments. Submission and obedience is the two things that are associated with fruitfulness. And that'll go for everything in your life. Listen, if a wife will submit herself to her husband as in the Lord and the husband will submit himself to his wife through the commandments of God that he gives her and everything else, you can say what you want to. They will be happily married. You know why? Because they're both working on the same page. This ain't a 50-50 opera. You know, I tell people, young people whenever I married them everything, this ain't no 50-50 thing. It's 100%, 100%. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but, all, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That don't mean you're working for your salvation. He's talking about working it out. But how are you working it out? By letting God work it in. Look what he says. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Walk in the Spirit. You live in the Spirit. Now let's walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what Galatians 5 says. You know what gets us in trouble? To done me. Me. I offend me more than anybody's offended me. Yeah, I ought to be cursed myself sometimes. Look at this. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and the good of his good pleasure. Do all things, all things, all things, without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of America. Well, it does say a crooked and perverse nation. That would be us. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. What I do, I do for the elect's sake. What I suffer, I suffer for the elect's sake, not just me. But I'm doing it for them too. To show them we can live in obedience and peace. You know that's so. You can if you want to. Quit hanging around people. They're just murmurs and complainers about everything. And you know what? Do correct them and say, look here. man, Don't talk like that. Man, I'll tell you what. All that does is spread discord. Don't do that. Look, let's have prayer here. I don't even believe in God. Well, let's pray anyway because you need to believe in God. That shows you how you're just mean all over. (laughs) Number two. And this is very important. I used to live on the coastline. So I understand what this means. 
Look at what he says. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Okay. Verse 15, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And he's reproved them and rebuked them for some stuff. And he says, as far as his behavior and his advice to them and everything else, in verse 15, he says this. He brings back up what I just spoke to you about this. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Brethren, it's a day by day thing that you have to determine that you're going to do better. Look what he says. For our light affliction. Boy, how do you like that one? I thought that affliction thing was really bad. But he said, our light affliction, which is but for what? A moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at not the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Live above sea level. Live above sea level. You know what we've done? We're trying to live like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're trying to live like Moses. Be faithful stewards of God, right? Want to be like that well, let's come to Hebrews chapter 11 right quick and let's just see how Abraham lived and, and Sarah lived and Moses lived. Okay, look at it. Come here. Look at it. And one of, them, one of them's for the children, one's for, yeah, and, one, one's for, and two for our adults. But come to Hebrews chapter 11. Let me show you something that, that I saw. And it kind of excited me just a little bit and everything else. Not too much, but enough to go crazy. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Watch this. Look what it says. In Hebrews chapter 11... He talks about the, the heroes of the faith in all the first part of the chapter. And if you will, if you'll just follow and see what they did. Like Noah moved with fear and building of an ark uh, for the saving of his household. Abel offered up a more perfect sacrifice. If you follow the line of those that he gives you the illustration of in Hebrews chapter 11, you'd be surprised what you'd learn. Read Hebrews chapter 11 as a devotion. And when you do, read everybody's name that's there and see what they did for the reason they are there. Okay? Watch. Watch what he says. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having what? what, what how did they live? Listen, I, I haven't got heaven yet. You got heaven? No, we ain't none of us been there. I ain't got it yet. But I believe the promise of it, don't you? Is there a street of gold up there in a city called New Jerusalem? Is that where we're going to live? Is that the is that the is that the bride is that the bride the, the lamb's wife? We're going to live in New Jerusalem. You know how big New Jerusalem is? Twelve thousand furlongs. You know how long that is? It's from here to Houston, Texas. 
in every direction. Is that a big city or what? 1,500 miles cubed. That's how big the place is where we're going to live. Now, if God does everything the way he did with the ark, tabernacle, the heavens, then it's going to be three stories high. The ark was three stories high. The tabernacle had three sections to it. And uh, the heavens, are, there's three heavens. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. And saw things not lawful for a man to... Well, if it is, then New Jerusalem's going to have at least three levels, y'all. Let me ask you. Well, if that's so, if you divide 1,500 by three, that's five. 500. Am I getting close? That's, I, I, I graduated from Milton High School. So I don't know. And where you graduated, but I'm, I'm saying three times five is 15. So it's 500 miles on the first level, 1,500 miles in every direction. The second level is 1,500 miles in every direction. And in other, 1,500 miles in every direction. Is that big enough? Is that big enough for you? Huh? In Hebrews chapter 11, it says... They, verse 14, well, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they'd been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have been uh, had opportunity to have returned. Stay away from the things that want to call you back to the life that God saved you out of. Amen. Stay out of it. Amen. Don't you get on that cell phone and start going over then and playing the music that God saved you from. Amen. You'll be thinking like that again. Don't start going to the magazines and everything else and, and looking at things and stuff like that that God called you from. If he called you from it, stay out of it. Get your eyes off of sea level and get it on things that you can't see that he promised and yet you know they're coming. Now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Well, okay, that's Abraham and Sarah. What about Moses? Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming. The reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he what? What does it say there, y'all? What does your Bible say? He endured as seeing him who is what? He started living above sea level. I haven't seen God. I just believe there is one. And then he wrote a book. I haven't seen Jesus Christ. I believe he was here. And I believe he came as a savior of the world. Yeah, man. 
two more passages of Scripture, and I'm, gonna, I'm through. Look at Hebrews 12. We're right there. Hebrews 12. Look what it says. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Just read Hebrews 11 and see what they went through, afflictions and all the other things they went through. Y'all, if they did it, look at the witness that they left us. You mean we can't endure a little bit of persecution now? You mean we can't endure a little bit of pressure right now? Sickness now? A little bit of uh, things that don't show up when one... I hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when it cometh, it's a tree of life. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Did, I reckon that was rough. Reckon it was rough for God to be spit in the face of. You reckon it was rough for God to be mocked? You reckon it was rough for God to endure a bunch of soldiers slapping him in the face, putting a crown of thorns on his head and then taking a reed and mocking him and then taking a reed out of his hand and smiting him on the head right through the thorns? You reckon, what do you think it took for Jesus Christ to endure the blasphemy? What do you think? Let me tell you how he endured it. If you read Matthew and Mark, you'll find this. That the two thieves that were crucified with him, one on the right and left, both of them reviled him. When he was hung on that cross, they both reviled him and said, if thou be the Christ, come down from the cross and save thyself and us. But in Luke, when you get to Luke 24, one of those thieves repented. And his fellow thief said, if thou be Christ, come down to the cross and save thyself and us. And his, you know what his buddy said? Dost thou not fear God? Seeing that we're in the same condemnation and we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. Amen. Amen. He was there when Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He saw them choose Barabbas, knowing he was a murderer. They heard the blasphemy. They heard his responses. Now is my kingdom not from hence. Lord, he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen. Good gracious. If the Lord will say that on my deathbed, huh, 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 huh? Would that excite you just a little bit? Get above sea level. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What about the joy that's set before you, y'all? How about the rapture? Is that going to be joyful? Ho, 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 ho! I hope I see you on the way up. I'm going to yell over at you. Why didn't you smile like that when we were down there? 
Why didn't you get excited? Why didn't you just get beside yourself some? What are you doing shouting like that, man? You're crying crazy, ain't you? What about the judgment seat of Christ? Shouldn't you do it? Because at the judgment seat of Christ, you know it's wood, hay, or stubble. Or gold or silver and precious stones. Don't you know your fruit is going to be at the judgment seat of Christ? If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be tried of what sort it is. Let me ask you something. Don't you know he's already told you at the judgment seat of Christ, y'all, that gold, silver, precious stones, you're going to receive a reward if, you're, if your works, if your works t- are tried by fire and they're there. I mean, don't you know this right here? Uh, don't you know that's going to be a wonderful thing if you've got something that you can pick up and say just like the 24 elders, they cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ and gave him the glory for what he had made out of them. They weren't nothing without him. But man, we have just even a coin. How about just a coin to flip it? I feel so sorry for Christians who haven't, they just live on sea level. Get above sea level so you realize this right here, that you can have a reward. Because he said so. Do something for the glory of God. You children, start obeying your parents like you ought to. You young people, start surrendering your life. If you can get saved at seven, you can start serving at seven. All right, I'm closing. That's it. I told you I would. This is it. First Peter 1. Closing. This is it. Aren't you glad we got here? You never thought the hour would come. Here it is. This is my message for tonight. Endure. Endure the hardships. Endure the afflictions. Endure the chastisement. It's just God getting you in line. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away. It's already there. Reserved in heaven for you. You like presents? And I know you women may enjoy it better than us. I don't know. But I, secretly, you don't know, but we, we enjoy presents too. Inheritance. Uncorruptible, undefiled. It fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. It's already there. It's reserved for us. We just got to get there to open up the box. Look what he says. Inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who, who are kept by the power of God. God's keeping you so you can make it. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly, what? Rejoice. If you believe it, if you get above sea level, you'll see this right here, that God's promises to you. He's got an inheritance waiting on you when you get there. And guess what? You, man, you'd, be, you'd have joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
You say, man, I can't wait to see what it is. I know there's a mansion. I know there's great show of golden street. I know there's gates of pearl. And I, I know all the foundations, all this other stuff. I got all the history of this. And I know that there's a tree alive and I know there's a river water alive and all, this, all that stuff. Man, can you imagine that? But it's something greater than that. It's the whole inheritance. It's what he's enjoying himself. Wonder what he can enjoy. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold what? Temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Right now you're living through the trials of your faith so you can give something to him now for what he gave for you for eternity. Endure the trials, y'all. It's for His glory. I know it hurts us, but I'm going to tell you this right here. When we went in the military, and we, when some of us, when we went, we, we were asked to do things. We didn't realize how dangerous it was going to be. But for our country, and for our families, and for all of our friends and loved ones, we wanted them to enjoy the same liberties that we enjoyed. If we died in battle, they held us as a hero. We were just dead. But here's the thing. They, we did it in sacrifice so that they'd understand the sacrifice is worth it. Imagine what the sacrifices of what you might sacrifice now will be worth to you when you get to heaven. Trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found on the praise, honor, and glory to appear in Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, I got to live above sea level. If you're going to love the Lord like you ought to, just read his book. You'll love him more and more all the time. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, boy, there's, you, you do it through the eyes of faith. You're comprehending everything through the eyes of faith. You're seeing it, but you're seeing it as invisible, but just as real as if it was here. Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. No, brother, I don't know if I can endure it. I just don't know if I can endure it. It's so hard. Yeah, I know it. And I wish I could feel sorry for you. To the degree that you feel like we ought to feel sorry for you. But I'm not going to because of this right here. Listen, you, some of y'all may be going through a rough time right now. But remember something. It's not anything he doesn't know that we won't pray about for you. And by those prayers... And by God's mercy and grace, you ought to be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to show you that the God of all mercies will through our prayers and His promises get you through. You're going to get through, y'all. Let me tell you, you can be, you can be a, a bad child, but you're going through. If He has to drag you across the finish line, you're going through. You're going to go get through. You're going to get through it, y'all. 
Man, there's been some things in my life as a preacher and everything. I thought I could, I'll never get through this. <laughs> Lord, this is, this is a little bit much even for you, Lord. But <laughs> here the little guy stands. I was 5'5 five, five when I got in this thing. <laughs> I ain't grown an inch. <laughs> but I'm happier. I can remember when I first got in this thing. I was just a young guy at 20-something years old. Took a church at 27 years old. But man, whenever it got the weight of the church on you, man, you thought, man, Lord, how am I going to do this thing? 7,000 messages later, I'm still here. You say, how do you get through? Grace. That's my only answer to y'all, y'all. The grace of God is so great, it's beyond comprehension. And you'd be surprised what the prayers of the saints and the church and all adds to that grace to get you through. Endure hardness, y'all, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Endure afflictions. And if you mess up and God has to correct you, endure chastening. That's right. Take it patiently. Because I'm going to tell you something. You didn't get no war. You know God. Listen, as a boy, I know this right here. My daddy never got a hold of me like he could have got a hold of me if he'd have known what I did. I can't tell you the things I got away with. I still can wear a belt and my pants stay on my rear end. Because if daddy would have known and caught me in all the things I did, my chances are my rear end wouldn't be in a big, no bigger than a lizard's. God's gracious is to you, y'all. He'll never expose you. Let me tell you something. I'm through. He'll never expose you unless you give him no other option. He will deal with you to judge yourself. And you'd be surprised how far he'll go with you as long as he sees that you're sincere, that you want the victory over it. But if you give up, he'll expose you so that the exposure will make you give it up. You got that? Or was that too deep? Behave yourself. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you blessings upon our lives. Thank you for your precious promises. Lord, I pray that you help us endure the things, dear God, that you, 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 you yourself know of and, and have the providence of leading us through. Be with us, Lord, I pray. Help us to be more faithful. Help us to complain less. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord. Help us, Lord, I pray, to express it through our lives, through our witness, and through our church. And especially, dear Lord, through our obedience to the commandments and to our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and ask in His name. Amen.